handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Clearly, don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Cohen. It is Sunday, September 26th, in the year of our Lord, 2021, at 8.24 a.m. on the East Coast. That's right, a rare Sunday morning pre-mass podcast. So if this uh, if this episode feels less blessed and less holy than normal, it's because I uh, haven't been to church yet. Uh, went to 8 a.m. Mass only to find out there was no 8 a.m. Mass today. So I guess I'm just out here being more blessed and more pious than the rest of my community. Um, So it's off to 10.30 Mass to say a few prayers for the crowd in Philadelphia. Uh, By the time some of you listen to this, uh, the show will already be over in Philadelphia. But to those of you who may be going to the show in Philadelphia or want a real-time, behind-the-scenes, what-goes-on-through-JL's-mind-before-a-big-show... Uh, this is the episode for you. Um, I figured what I would do is um, I just have a busy week of stuff and I'm very stressed because uh, every one of these shows now, it's it's every one of them, there's pressure, you know, because the amount of money I make and the relationship that builds with clubs is really all dependent on um, ticket sales at this point. It's put up or shut up. Although, as City Winery in Boston proves, Sometimes you put up and then the club shuts up and doesn't reply to your emails, even if you sell exceedingly well on the worst night of the week for a show, and then they still don't uh, return your emails. So, good. I've been ghosted by a place that I made a lot of money for. So that's always, that always feels good. That feels like real validation. Anyway, um, Philadelphia's tonight, 7 p.m. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, I will write a recap tomorrow, since it's been a while since I've been on the road, that's usually, I usually blog like, you know, I used to blog like four or five times a month and after every road gig, but it's just been, uh, my mindset has been different uh, over the last year, unfortunately, because people do like what I write, but I promise you a Philadelphia recap blog for sure tomorrow. So rather than wait on the podcast and just blather on for a half hour or or either either a bitter t- uh, tantrum or a uh, grateful uh, speech neither one I'll just write it so this this and this allows me to focus the podcast on other things like how happy I am as a comedian right guys <laughs> so I do know that uh, a congressman will be in attendance tonight uh, that uh Big Honcho at the New York Times will be in attendance for the Philadelphia show. So that's good. It's good that I've still got that juice. Um, the one complaint I will say is that the publicist for for Helium, who I've had a relationship with that club for a decade, uh, has never really gotten me anything. I don't know if she... Like, the idea... It's just a weird thing. And there's always something to put me in a bad mood 
on comedy. Like the, like the, the longer I talk, I've always said to people, I don't like talking about comedy. I like doing comedy. But whenever somebody says, hey, oh, you're a comedian. How's that? I, I am incapable of going, it's pretty cool. I'm always like, it's soul crushing. It's the worst decision I've ever made with my life. Um, it's not as fun as you think. Um, and then, uh, then the people go, oh, and then you've ruined their night. Um, but the long, uh, there, there, there is no way for me to stay in comedy, uh, whether it's a conversation or the business, and have it not eventually turn to something that will make me annoyed or bitter. And I had said, oh, if you if you've got any opportunities for radio or local TV or whatever, like you know, um, let me know. I'm, I'm game. And she's like, oh, I, I, tr- I tried, but I couldn't get you anything. And I, I always laugh. I go, so let me get this straight. And this this is also like the publicist I hired in 2020, who, um, other than taking thousands of dollars from my bank account, had no effect on my life. Um, meanwhile, the Washington Post, L.A. Times, Daily Beast, um, New uh, Newark Star Ledger all wrote like large pieces on me. I made it onto Mark Maron's podcast. I was a guest. I was, I was, a uh, on Howard Stern three times. It, it just felt like with no effort, this was like, they reached out to me because they were all aware of me. So whenever a publicist is like, I just couldn't get you anything. I'm like, that's weird because when I did nothing, I got a ton of shit. Then you got involved and all of a sudden nothing. And I'm like, are you pitch or is your pitch? of me worse than saying nothing at all. Like, is you pitching me somehow tarnishing me? You know what I mean? Like, it's just weird. It's like, yeah, I was sitting on my ass reading a book and the Washington Post and LA Times wanted to interview me. Oh, okay. Um, And then I hired a publicist and everybody said, not interested. It seems like it's you. It's the definition of subtraction by addition. Um, So I found it funny that I had all those things a bigger following, you'd think impressions would play well on the radio also, and couldn't get me anything. So once again, like this Philly gig, the the issue with the Sunday night, thank God the Eagles aren't playing tonight. The issue with a Sunday gig, of course, is, oh, great. Is there going to be like a Philadelphia Eagles Sunday 4-4-30 game that nobody, they play Monday night. So uh, the football gods shine their their, uh, faces upon me this one time. But... um, you know, basically a Sunday night is not a traditional night to go out for comedy. It's not like Friday night where it's like, who's playing? Yeah, let's go see him. It's like Sunday night. It's like, we have to go see Jay. So everyone that shows up tonight is like somebody who is actively saying, we want to see JL. Now, if that's 52 people, so be it. Thank you for showing up. If it's 152 people, awesome. Hopefully nobody robs me on the Amtrak going home. But, uh, yeah, so this is this is once again why I always say people if you have the option to buy tickets in advance to ease my my psychological trauma, do it because there's nothing like like I I can't even relax fully the day of a show. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go to church and then I'm going to work out, well P90X at home. We're we're under 280 now. We weighed in today at 279, which is still fat as fuck, but um means I've now lost 38 pounds since the end of June. So in three months, I've lost 38 pounds. Um, obviously, that, that number is starting to slow down uh, as it should. That early weight is a little easier to le- lose. Um, but we're under 280 for the first time, probably, I think for the first time, definitely in 2021, because um, we, we lived a horrible lifestyle for most of quarantine. So 279, progress is being made. We're still on track for 235 on, in April. Um, which will then be when I post, uh, you know, all my modeling shots and say, you know, the Mitch McConnell chin and the Trump gut are gone. I'm done with this method acting shit. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's good news. We can get off the bad news. But the point is, all day I'm just going to be like, I don't know what the crowd's going to be. Like, granted, in 2018, I sold 100 tickets on a Wednesday night to record Thoughts and Prayers. So my expectations is that I can at least meet that, but I legitimately have no idea. I might walk out to a crowd of 70 people or 52 people and just be like, oh, oh, shit, let's just have a great show anyway. Um, But I hope and pray that it's a a robust crowd um, and that they enjoy themselves. So that's where I'm at right now mentally, so... Maybe by the time you listen to this, you'll be going, oh, God, I can't wait to read his blog Monday at lunch to see how it actually went. Um, but I wonder if his 
words drip with the same bitter venom as his voice when things don't go well. Or maybe he'll be euphoric and there will just be funny, whimsical tales of his trip to Philadelphia that was a triumphant show. Um, who knows? Maybe it'll be somewhere in between. Um, not afraid of being in the wrong headspace before a big show. Speaking of shows, though, of course, after tonight, it's probably too late for most of you, but maybe one person will download this and be like, oh, shit, right, he's in Philadelphia tonight. Let's go, honey, um, and get the entire office of 100 people to show up. We all loved his videos. Um, so after tonight, obviously, we have Raleigh, North Carolina, October 6th, good nights. Uh, not as confident in ticket sales there because I just don't know as many people and I have no idea what my fan base is in North Carolina, but I'm sure it's not as strong as in the Northeast or on the West Coast. But, you know, fingers crossed that the club does some promotion and we get we get some sales. But uh, I'd like to be optimistic for that, but I'm just being realistic and think uh, I'm going to need some luck, I think, to sell tickets there um, on a Wednesday, by the way. Um after that, we've got Belmore, Long Island, the brokerage, uh, October Friday, October 15th, 8 p.m. So if any of you listening are in Long Island or near Long Island, go to that show. Uh, after that, of course, October 23rd is the... Uh, oh, hello, Cookie. Cookie busted into the studio. Um, the After uh, uh, October 23rd is the special taping, which is now one show. So tickets are, uh, are limited because uh, I eliminated one show, which made it immediately a scarcity issue. So uh, get your tickets to that. But if, you, if you're a Long Island person listening or that's more convenient, by all means, go to the Long Island show, please. Um, like I said, I'm not fearful that I won't sell out the one show. So if, you, if, you, if the Long Island show doesn't work for you, obviously go to the taping. But if, if Long Island is like more convenient, by all means, I, I, would like, I would like and love to sell tickets to that show because – that will send a message to that booker who books other clubs. So that will be, um, you know, good for me also in my career, um, especially since I'm not really sweating. If, if I sold no more tickets to the, to the album special taping, I'd probably be fine, but obviously I'd like to sell it out. Uh, nothing in November and then, uh, but hopefully that'll change. And then December, thank you, by the way, to the Pittsburgh people. If any Pittsburgh people listen to this show, Pittsburgh, has backed up their tweets with actual ticket purchases. Unlike some cities, like I've highlighted Boston, the people who are like, when are you coming to Boston? When are you coming to Boston? None of them showed up. I'm not talking about like one person, like, hey, I'll try to make it if you come to Boston. Like, I'm talking about the people like when you post, I'm in DC, what about Boston? Hey, I'm at my uncle's funeral, but what about Boston? And then you're like, I'm coming to Boston. They're like, I'll try to make it. And then they don't. Um, not afraid of being fucking liars. Um, but I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the people who are like, Oh, Boston. And then they, they're just like, I got my tickets. There's no like constantly pleading and annoying me, but Pittsburgh has proved to be the exception. The people who pled with me and kept mentioning Pittsburgh, they've like all bought tickets already. And I, that is awesome. Um, get some momentum going for that show. But that felt good. Cause it was like, Oh, well, look at that. Pittsburgh people are talk the talk and walk the walk. So, you know, hopefully for that Thursday show, we can get some good sales. I don't expect a sellout, but just something to make it worth my, I mean, it's worth my while anyway, but you know, financially make it like a successful trip. Um, so that was encouraging. That felt good just to see like, but, but of course the algorithm that I always complain about with Twitter is annoying because the reason I was able to find all the people is I remember people commenting, oh, what about Pittsburgh? And then I could just do a search for my name and Pittsburgh and find all the people who tweeted at me about Pittsburgh. But those are just the people who tweeted at me. Obviously, there's probably dozens of people from Pittsburgh who like my stuff who will never see my posts. And that's frustrating because it's like, oh, they'll probably see it when I leave Pittsburgh. They'll be like, when are you coming to Pittsburgh? And I'm like, I was there yesterday. No, what the F? And so it's just, it's, you know, you're all aware of my usual frustrations with that. So after Pittsburgh, we go to D.C., the D.C. Improv, December 16th to the 19th. I know some people have already bought tickets there. Once again, D.C., like Boston, like Pittsburgh, is one of those cities that's, that's, that backs up their, their talk. Uh, but, of course, I'm not talking about the specific people in Boston. I'm talking about all the people who actually showed, not the people who harassed me and didn't show. Um, and then after that, uh, oh, yeah, L.A., February 6th. Southern California. I am now 
Utah is proving difficult, but not impossible, but I'm hoping to link a Utah show, a Salt Lake City show, around the February 6th LA show. So basically, if you're in California or Utah, (laughs) you should expect to see me sometime between February 1st and February 11th. Uh, I will try to book a Northern California show along with the Southern California show that is already booked at Bur- in Burbank. Uh, ticket links for everything that I've mentioned so far are on my website, jlcomedy.com slash calendar. So get the tickets now. Like I said, if, you wanna, if you're going to go and you want to do me a favor, buy your tickets now. Make your arrangements now. Don't, don't make me sweat it out like I am for the Philadelphia show where I'm like, I don't know how many people are showing up. Um, okay, so that's the usual calendar stick. I'm done complaining about comedy because I have something so much more um, important to complain about today. Um, when my uh, brother's family is uh, tight on time uh, or, or dealing with issues with my older nephew, um, I am the movie, park, weekend trip, soccer, escort um, Escort, is that the right word? Uh, concierge? I don't know. Escort sounds, I, I guess I've been watching too much porn. Escort just sounds uh, like I'm going to games to fuck soccer moms for Venmo payments. Um, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, I'm, the, I'm the stand-in. Well, my nephew, uh, who had a, had a freshman soccer game, and he's, uh, he wears number 10, and he plays center midfield, so he's, he's legit. Um, for a very strong Jersey program. He's on both a very elite club team uh, and he got a waiver to play for his high school team. So he is playing on the freshman team at his school right now. And they had a game at Del Barton Academy, which is a uh, New Jersey school. And uh, so I was the chosen one to take him. So the good news was he was going, his, his mother was driving him out there early. I didn't want to go early, and I wanted to get some reading time in, so I took the train to Morristown, New Jersey. I arrived in Morristown, New Jersey at 10.28 a.m., and then got a lift uh, to the school. Now, the lift was easy to get. It was a five-minute wait. Um, While waiting, I ran in, got a glazed stick, one of my favorite donuts from uh, Dunkin' Donuts. It's basically a cruller covered in sugar. High calories, but I did my calorie counting yesterday, and I did exceed my calorie count, but I still woke up today and cracked under 280 for the first time in a year. So that was, uh, the donut didn't do too much damage, you know? On Noom, since I'm a Noomer with a hard R, they tell you once in a while you got to treat yourself because you can't go on psychologically thinking, I can never have these foods, I can never, you just want to be, you want you want to let calorie counting be your guide and have treats be an occasional thing but not a cold turkey thing, but also not a regular thing. So anyway, this was brought, this was brought to you by Noom. What I'm really hoping is that I, like by April, I'm just jacked again and then like tag Noom on a tweet and they're like, Jail, we'd like you to be in, in our ad campaign. We'd like you to be the Jared Fogel of Noom. <laughs> Minus the kid fucking, not afraid of evoking molestation in your ads. Um, one of the sketches, by the way, that I'm writing is, uh, Jared Fogel gets out of prison and is jacked. Uh, so I'm going to need some friends with kids to volunteer their kids to show up to a local park while I walk around with a Subway sandwich staring at kids and parents unable to do it because while in prison, Jared Fogel, um, became a weight room junkie. Um, and now try telling him not to hang around your, your 12 year old at the park. It's going to be tougher with a six seven two forty Jared Fogel eating a sub with veiny arms. It's dark, but I think very funny. Um, so where were we? I get the lift after the glazed stick, which I always find weird ordering that. You really have to enunciate. It's like, I'll have the glazed stick. Because instead it's like, I'll have that glazed dick. Um, which sounds very uh, homoerotic, especially because it's a tu- it's a, it's an it's a tubular uh, donut covered in uh, white flaky sugar. It's like not afraid of eating a dick donut covered in dried cum. <laughs> Ooh, I, I, that was a tough one to get through, as Ron Reagan. But um, but they're delicious. They're worth it. And and in Boston. I haven't had this donut in a long time, but one of the things I always looked forward to going to Boston for, which is, you know, Boston runs on Dunkin', um, 
was they had the chocolate glazed stick, which was the only don't, which was my favorite donut. It was a chocolate cruller covered in sugar. So you can imagine uh, that being, uh, you know, that was uh, that was that was the favorite donut of Republican congressman, not afraid of a girthy black donut dick covered in dried sugary cum. Uh, so, <laughs> so I eat that. I get in my lift. The lift arrives like five minutes later. I'm like, good. Morristown is a is a is a real town with with stuff. So, no no big wait for the lift. We head over to the school. Now we enter the school. My brother had pinged me on the map. Um where the school, where the field was. And I was like, well, the entrance to the school seems kind of far from the field, but it's a fucking school. It's not a college campus. It's not a, it's not a nation state. It's a, it's a, it's a school. So like if I have to walk 10 minutes or five minutes to the field, so be it. So my Lyft driver, who was listening to basically all the songs from TikTok that I had never heard the full versions of, and let me tell you, a lot of those TikTok songs fucking suck. Once you get by the, the, the 10 seconds that are sampled, a lot of them are dog shit. Um, what, a, what, a, what a glorious time to be a musical artist. Yeah, we just need a 15-second hook that dummies will use on their videos. And after that, the song can suck. Um, even Watermelon Sugar, which won a Grammy, I was like, this song eats ass, but the, the one clip they use on TikTok isn't bad. Um, but this guy was just running through all the TikTok songs. And I was like, oh, wow, these are, these are all terrible once you get past the, um, the one part where the, the busty single moms from Arizona bounce their tits to and lip sync. Um, no disrespect to lip sync though. I know it is the highest form of entertainment and comedy, but, uh, so we get on campus and now, you know, the Lyft driver's being accommodating, but I don't want to make him drive all around. I don't know where I'm going on the campus, but I go, we, we get to a soccer field and I go, Oh, there's a soccer field. Oh, but this isn't it. Weird. There's no teams here. So I say, you know, let me out here. I see another soccer field up that hill. So it's probably there because I don't want to waste his time. He's off the meter already. I give him a nice tip just for helping me. So I get out walk past one practice field, walk up the hill to what I see another soccer net. It's just another practice field. So I go, well, now I don't know where the fuck I am. So I look and I say, where, how far am I from this field? And I try to measure and what my, what my GPS is telling me on my phone is that I'm 1.3 miles from the real soccer field. Now, I'm sitting here, and I'm a product of a private school that charges an exorbitant amount of money. I was a scholarship kid, but um, Riverdale Country School in New York is one of the, if not the most expensive, like, non-boarding private school in the country. But it's, it's I believe it's well over $50,000 now. It's in, the, it's in the mid-50s, I believe, for a year of tuition at Riverdale. So I'm walking around. I'm, I'm, I've been exposed. Now, granted, it's in New York City. It's in the Bronx, but it's in New York City. So, um, but it's a beautiful, lush campus, a great school. Blah, blah, blah. Riverdale felt like a run, like Section 8 housing compared to Del Barton because obviously the land was cheap. Um, I don't know if the Catholic Church bought this land in like the 1500s and has just been sitting on it the whole time. Um, I don't know if it's on an Indian burial ground. I don't know what deal with the devil was made. But um, I felt like I was walking around a state college campus in terms of its size. So I'm 1.3 miles from the field. And I'm like, what fucking high school has multiple miles of property? I felt it was like Disney, you know, it was like Disney where it's like, oh, like, is the shuttle coming by to take me from parking lot G to Epcot anytime soon? So I'm walking around. My brother texts me. He's like, everything okay? And I was like, no, everything is not okay, sir. Um, I am fucking lost. Maybe I'll get to the game at halftime. So I'm walking around. I can't find a way. I'm, I'm making my way back to the main entrance. And uh, I, I see some sort of like security park ranger type guy in one of those golf, big golf carts. And I flag him down. And I go, do you know where the soccer field for the freshman game is? And he goes, oh, yeah, it's a hike. And he just said, hop in. So I got in. And we started driving. And this was pretty much a mile of mostly uphill driving to get to this soccer field. While on our way, we run into a woman uh, who flagged down uh, the, the car and he stops and she says, hey, do you know where the suicide prevention walk has made off? I lost them. I started the walk late and I was staying on the path and now I can't find them. It was a two mile suicide prevention walk because, of course, on the Del Barton campus, 
a two mile walk is just like, you know, a, a fifth of the campus. So it's no big deal. But this woman got lost. And I thought to myself, suicide prevention, by the end of the day, I was like, suicide prevention walk, walking around this campus would be a suicide encouragement walk. So he points her in the general direction back to where the walk is sort of going. And we make it up to the field. I thank him profusely for, for giving me a ride. And then I proceed to watch the soccer game. Now it was a nice sunny day. Um, a lot of people watching, a lot of Del Barton students. I think the football team or the freshman or JV football team was having a practice. So they got to take a break to watch uh, the soccer game. And it is always funny when there's just a few girls and like 20 dudes, the jokesters become very loud. It's very animalistic, like peacock gorilla behavior, where it's like, I'm going to make a big show and beat my chest and try to be the loudest. It's very, it's, it's, it's a very natural sort of thing, but it is funny to see in, in action. I'm sure we've all been guilty of it, except of course I was actually funny, not just stupidly funny. Anyway, um, but we're watching the game and it's sunny and I was getting attacked by those, um, those like those fly, the, not flies. They look like, they look like, like moths. Like I call them murder moths. They're like very decorative wings, like red wings that in Jersey were supposed to kill them. Lantern, lantern something. Um, anybody in Jersey probably knows what I'm talking about, but a couple of these things like attacked me and I murdered three of them, which was apparently what you're supposed to do. Cause they're, they're not, they're not good for the environment. They're running rampant all over Jersey. So I murdered three, um, all while singing, uh, Omar's song that he whistled or whistling Omar's song that he whistled. And, um, I got to tell you though, being at a soccer game for rich private New Jersey kids is, is unlike anything I've ever experienced. Like I obviously went to a very wealthy private school, but something about Jersey, Jersey has this feel of like new money. Like they're, they're sort of, there's always this, the way, the way Jersey people drive, the way they talk about money, the way they try to flash all their fancy clothes. It, it feels like they're really saying, I'm so mad I can't afford a life of luxury in Manhattan, so I really have to stunt on everybody in Jersey. Um, Jersey drivers drive angrily and fool recklessly as if they're saying, I'm still mad that I'm not in New York City. But uh, I don't understand parents who get mad. There was one parent of uh, somebody on, on, on my nephew's team who was extremely loud and yelling a lot. And then there was a woman next to me who was like a little more quiet, but was like, oh, you gotta pass it. Oh, come on. And I can't imagine, I know I'm not a parent, uh, but I've been a kid and I am an uncle and I'm sure it's not the same, but as competitive as I am, I genuinely can't imagine giving a shit in a real way about my kids sporting events. And I don't mean that I don't care if they're happy or if they want to work hard at it or dedicate themselves or, or I care about their happiness. But man, I can't imagine watching youth sports and being like yelling a lot and being disappointed when my kid's teammate like messes up a play. Like, like these are kids. Um, and I, I'm not, trust me, you know me. I'm not somebody who's like, I think these should all have fun. No, I'm a competitive, angry human being, clearly. But when it comes to kids, I just can't imagine. I just sort of watch the game and clap for a good play by my nephew or his team and that, and then that's it i just don't like give a shit and i don't mean that like in a in a oh i could care less it's more like yeah just have fun work hard and 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 at the end of the day it's a kid's game um if my nephew is competitive or or feisty or pumped up that's totally natural and, and good i think but for me I, when i see parents going oh you gotta pay oh come on man what are you doing you gotta it's like a shut the fuck up like, even though you're just, even though you're not, at least you're not being loud and obnoxious about it, but you're next to me and I still want to tell you to shut the fuck up. Uh, but then there was one parent who was just like fucking loud as fuck. And it was just like, Jesus, dude, dude come on, man. Um, anyway, the favorite conversation I overheard, though, was from uh, a woman talking to a man. They both had kids there. Um, and I get, I feel like suburban people must have a lot of affairs because they sound so bored with life. Everything just sounds like, like when I was listening to these two people talking, it just sounded like they were eventually going to go, do you want to just like get a hotel and fuck this weekend? I don't know. I just don't like this life is 
I live in a big house in the middle of nowhere, and I drive a nice car, and I just work, and it's like, what, what, are you, you don't want to fuck, like, I don't know, you're, you're down, right, like, you feel the same way about life, right, okay, yeah, let's just do it. It has that kind of energy, um, like, 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 adultery by default, <laughs> but they were talking, and they were saying, um, one parent was like, yeah, you hear these parents saying, like, we hate hate Del Barton. And it's like, you're a 40 or 50 year old person and you have that kind of hate? Jeez. Well, then I heard another conversation that sort of validated it, which was one parent going, uh, I have, or my brother has kids, or we have kids, or something in like Montclair, uh, Kimberly, which is another very ritzy private school in Montclair. And they were like, yeah, we, like, the commute was so rough on the kids. Uh, so you know what we did? Or they did. I forget if it was a we or a they, but it was somebody in her family. Uh, they just rented an apartment, like a nice apartment in Montclair, and then a few days a week would just stay there. And that made the commute so much better. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh, do you fucking hear yourself? Oh. In my head, I was like, you, yes, I, I can't imagine why people would hate you when you when you speak of things like, yeah, the kids' school commute was a little irritating, so we just rented another place for the school year. Now, if you have the money, that's great, but it's, it's still that kind of talk was sort of like gross. But the game ends. They lost in a shootout. It was a 2-2 tie. And then in the shootout, uh, they lost 4-3. And I felt kinship. The two biggest kids on the team were two of the penalty kickers, and they both missed. And I felt solidarity with uh, the two big kids on the team. But I also thought to myself, if I was kicking that shit, that shit would have gone right in the fucking goal. But they were trying to paint the corner, these two kids. They were trying to go like top shelf, upper corner, and uh, top shelf corner. And it's like, no, on a penalty kick, you really don't have to, you don't have to flaunt your accuracy like that. You just have to send a bullet, you know, four feet past a child goalie. But no, you had to get fancy and you were wide right by about eight feet last kid. Anyway, game ends. I'm trying to get us a lift. Okay. All of a sudden, Lyft decides they don't want to come to Del Barton. Or maybe Del Barton has like a financial force field around the fucking campus. But no lifts. No lifts anywhere near Morristown, New Jersey. I'm like, great. So, nephew and I, I, don't, I feel bad about this, but I'm like, let's just walk. Let's get off the campus somehow because I don't think a cab will fucking find us. We'll be lost. It, this, this, this campus felt like literally the show Lost. Spoiler, where it was like we were trapped there forever. And we are uh, walking, and we can't find the exit of the campus. We just continue to walk by uh, a football field. And the best part, well, we're walking around, and we have to double back three times. And at this point, I'm doing something that I try not to do in front of my nephew, which is I am cursing the world. I am cursing his father for, for, for sending a man with no... Um, no car to these godforsaken fields in the middle of nowhere where, you know, Jersey just assumes that Jersey, the ethos of Jersey is pretty much, oh, you mean you're not a selfish person who wants a large plot of land to yourself and a car to drive everywhere? You want to use public transportation and be part of a community? Gross. Go back to New York then if that's what you want, you piece of shit. So um, everybody's in a car. So we're walking to exit the campus. Can't find the exit. Just can't find how to get the fuck off the campus. So we're double backing. We're walking by every building. Then some nice uh, Eastern European woman who's driving her kids um, from the opposing team stops. It was like a, it was like a nice car commercial. They stop and they're like, are you okay? Do you need a ride? So like off. And I was like, yeah, we're just trying to get off campus. They're like I'll hop in. So we hop in. And I thought, of course, the foreign lady was, was not exhibiting proper German, uh, New Jersey custom of ignoring us. So, she drives us to kind of a main building. I kid you not, it was another like 15-minute walk after several wrong turns to get off the campus from the main building. So uh, as we're standing there, we are near the football field now. We're near one of the main buildings and a giant lawn, which the giant lawn followed by the football field. So once, once again, we are talking massive acreage here. So as we're waiting and I'm trying to think and figure out how to get off the campus... Uh, Metallica's For Whom the Bell Tolls starts blaring, I guess, as like warm-up music for the football team. And I'm like, I say to my nephew, I go, I love this song. It's on my weight room mix. I don't fucking need it right now. And I think I use the F-bomb. Um, 
So we start walking and I think my nephew was like, this was, if, if I could compare this to anything, I think the most accurate description is this was my version of, I was Pauly in the Sopranos Pine Barrens episode. That was basically me at this point. Starting to get hot, wondering when I'm going to get home, saying to myself, I have one day off this week. It's today. I'm happy to go see my nephew play soccer. He's a talented kid. It wouldn't matter if he wasn't talented, but it makes it more, to be honest, it makes it more worthwhile that, that he's actually a talented player and not just, we're not just doing it purely for love of family, but it's like, oh yeah, and it's good to see him succeed. But now I'm like, I don't know how to get off this camp. What are we doing? Multiple people stop me and ask me for directions places. So I'm like, okay, so this is a common thing on this fucking, this giant purgatory of a campus everybody's lost. Everyone who does not know the ins and outs of this campus is lost. I got stopped by five people. Well, if I'm counting the woman who was lost on the suicide prevention walk, um, like she might've killed herself. She might have gotten lost in a forest and then killed herself. And that's not the goal of a suicide prevention walk, but on Del Barton's campus, it certainly seems to be a, a potential side effect. Um, mo f five total people stop me going, do you know where the, and I go, it's somewhere over there. I, we walked by it 20 minutes ago. I'd probably send you in the wrong way, but I know you're kind of close to the football field. So we are uh, lost. We finally get off campus. We're standing just, and there's no sidewalks. There's no sidewalks to stand. We're standing on like the side of like a quasi highway. And Lyft is once again, not responding. Can't find a cab in the area. So I'm like, what the fuck happened to that guy who dropped me off who was in Morristown? Is he nowhere to be found? Anyway, I call a local cab company and the local cab company comes and gets us. And uh, it only cost me uh, a lot of money to get home. Um, but uh, I swore I would never even if Del Barton one day asked me to be their commencement speaker as a prominent Catholic comedian. You know, if I become the next Jim Gaffigan uh, or Stephen Colbert, I will refuse. I will never set foot on that campus again. Uh, I hated it. I hated it so much. Um, and then I looked up how much tuition was there, and I expected it to be like 90 grand. It was 42 grand, which is a lot, but less than Riverdale Country School, which is weird, because I just assumed it would be, you know, a million dollars per kid to go to that school. But it was, uh, it was horrible. It was really horrible, and I don't know if this story was funny. It was making my family laugh, but now the way I'm delivering it, I feel like it was just bitter and sad. Um, but it was uh, it was one of the worst Saturdays of my life, and that's because I've lived a charmed life. But it was just one of those things where I was like, when are we getting home? So, we, so I ended up, I left my apartment at 8.55 to get the train to Morristown, and I got home at uh, 10 to 4 for a 90-minute soccer game. But everything, everything, it went into overtime and a shootout, so it was the maximum amount of soccer possible. There was an infestation of those lantern fucking murder bugs um, that I killed three of. And then it just an epic, and we, we <clears throat> I think the perfect ending was our cab driver was very nice, very militant vegan black man, though, because I, I brought up veganism because I said I was going to be going to a show to see Richard Marks in February in Morristown. And that there's a great steakhouse that I'd actually gotten my brother and sister-in-law a gift certificate for the family to go to. And they loved it. Um, Roots Steakhouse in Morristown, New Jersey. It was, it's a great steakhouse. And they were, um, not only was the food great, but they were extremely accommodating of my brother getting them like kind of a private off to the side, you know, table because of my older nephew's, uh, you know, uh, special needs. And they were very accommodating. They were great. So they like rave reviews from the food to the staff and everything. And that was my experience. I've been there. Uh, I guess I was only there once, but, uh, my plan is to go back there when I go see Richard Marks perform. But the problem is I can't ask Richard Marks to join me for dinner because he's a vegan. And I feel like a steakhouse is like the ultimate anti-vegan place. But I was saying that I'm tempted to, you know, I'm, I, maybe I go vegetarian at some point at least. And I said, you know, and, and my nephew was like, why would you go vegan? in the cab. And, uh, I was like, well, you know, like part of it's for, for animal welfare, part of it's for the environment. And the cab driver was like, if you do it for the animals, I don't think you'll stick to it. I've been a vegan for 40 years. I do it for me. I just think it's the healthiest way to live. And I do it for me. I don't give two shits about the animals and I don't mean to be rude, but I just, the way for me to stick to it is for it to be about me and my healthy lifestyle. And I was like, okay, fair enough.
but uh, the animals still appreciate it. They still benefit from your from your veganism, whether you mean to or not. But it was a very long discussion on veganism, and it just kept that conversation kept feeling like it was gonna creep into some like anti-vax stuff, but it never did. Thank God. Um, and then we arrived at my building, and the cab driver pulled over, and I had to do the credit card exchange. And then I was getting out of the cab, an angry white woman screamed at the cab driver, you look where you're going, you asshole. And the nice vegan black cab driver was like, was that necessary? And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. Definitely wasn't necessary. She definitely drove around you with no problem. So I don't know why she was so mad, but that's, that's Jersey. That's that it was full circle. There was, there was your Jersey. I wish I was in New York, but I'm stuck in Jersey driving attitude. So we got home and the joke of the day though, that really busted up my nephew was uh, the righteous girlfriend was describing uh, how her brother was having a yard sale because uh, there was like a town-wide yard sale in Glen Ridge, New Jersey. And she said he was selling some of uh, old, some old golf bags. And she uttered the phrase, yeah, no, and I looked and he was, he was selling, the, like referring to one of her dad's old golf bags. She was like, yeah, he was selling the bag. And I looked at my nephew and I said, selling it? I thought he was supposed to secure the bag. My nephew could not stop laughing and shaking his head in, in utter disgust for the next like five minutes. And I felt, you know what? There. For all my cursing and my losing my temper and coming unhinged on the Del Barton campus, I just covered, as, as comedy has done so many times for me, comedy saved the day. Um, so... A pun with secure the bag was so funny and disappointing to him that I felt like that is that I nothing I love more than somebody shaking their head, unable to stop from laughing at a good corny pun. Uh, and it took him by surprise. I don't think he was expecting me to drop a secure the bag reference. So uh, it all ended well. It was six hours of my life to go see one game that they lost, but it ended with a powerful joke. So I guess that's worth whatever. Uh, as also, I have a movie review, guys. I saw Malignant. Watched it on HBO Max. It's from James Wan or James Wan, who directed the first Saw, the first Insidious, and the first two Conjurings. Now, the first two Conjurings I consider to be horror movie royalty. Conjuring 3, which James Wan did not take part in or did not direct. Uh, disappointing bag of shit. So I think I'm done with the Conjuring franchise and I'm just going to pretend like only the first two were made. Malignant was weird. I actually ended up liking it. It does have a some a, like a crazy twist that's kind of humorous but then but but it was like a cheap movie. I genuinely think Malignant could have been a great movie if they had spent money on special effects that were better and spent money on a cast that was better. That's why The Conjuring, one of the reasons The Conjuring succeeds is that they they used maybe not Hollywood A-listers, but like Hollywood B-plus listers. Like Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are like quality actors. And so it gave the movies like extra heft. Um, this movie had like a bad cast and bad special effects. And it's like, Overall, though, I kind of enjoyed the movie and it delivered at the end for me. But so I don't know. Like, that's why I was when I saw a preview for it and I saw that James Wan was directing. I was like, OK, so he's like left The Conjuring to try and start a new franchise worth my time. He has a strong track record. But this movie felt like they had to pay James Wan all the money. He secured the bag. So they had no bag for anyone else in the movie. That's what it felt like. Like we have to go cheap on special effects and cast because James commands top dollar now. But watching it on HBO Max, I got halfway through the movie. I was like, do you want to stop watching this? And I said, oh, fuck it, let's finish it. And I kind of actually liked where it went. Now, some people would be like, roll their eyes and say, oh my God, it got even dumber. But I kind of liked that it just went in for what it was. But yeah, it was, it was, it, this feels like a movie that maybe 20 years from now they'll remake with like good actors and top line special effects. And it will be like a great movie. Um, but 
overall, I'd give it like a reluctant thumbs up because I did enjoy it. I don't think it's as good as it could have been or should have been, but it was still at the end of the day, I kind of enjoyed the overall movie because the last half hour was was pretty strong for what it was trying to be. So I guess there's a movie recommendation. If you're not watching the other two, what are you doing? It's on HBO Max. You know how I feel about comedy. The other two fucking delivers. And I, 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 saw, I watched the first season and I raved about it. And I guess it was probably 2019. My favorite episode of comedy this year, I think, is Chase Gets Baptized, episode five of season two, where they do sort of a, or not sort of, they do a parody of like the Hillsong type churches, like the celebrity, like, it's like Joel Osteen hip church for celebrities. Um, probably where like Olivia Munn and John Mulaney like committed adultery in the name of the Hollywood Lord. <laughs> I think that we should go to church, but not a judgmental church, a church that's for us celebrities. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, it's a great, that's my favorite episode of, of TV. I think this year, a comedy episode. Um, so I strongly recommend the other two since just we're on an HBO Max kick. I have 18 episodes left of The Sopranos so before I can watch The Many Saints of Newark and then go to Holstein's for ice cream. Uh, and then film my own TikTok of me getting shot uh, at Holstein's. And hopefully that will go viral because that's the point of entertainment now. Solving an algorithm and making content that the average, stupid, simple person enjoys. That's what art is all about, folks. It's not about creating something new. It's not about taking risks. It's not about uh, laughter or feeling. It's about accessible to the average dummy. You want to be accessible. That's what, that's what art's about. Does the, the regular person get it and do they feel good because it's about them? Not about the artist or the art, but about making the simple average person feel connected. <laughs> anyway, that's the tone I want to go off on to Philadelphia. So hopefully I don't get AIDS or get punched by Apollo Creed or see dead people or any other things that are Philadelphia themed movies. But uh, hopefully I have a good show. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. I really think I probably it's probably a little too early in the morning for me to have the right energy for that that soccer story. But man, I had people rolling yesterday telling it because I was just so fired up about what a horrible experience it was. But um, Del Barton Academy, I hate you. I hate your campus. It's vulgar. You should donate half like you should donate half your campus immediately to affordable housing because that was it's an obscene amount. I shouldn't be on a high school campus on a one of your two practice soccer fields and be multiple miles away from anything else on your campus. A high school campus should not have miles of property. And you guys have miles. It's like a four square mile campus for high school. It's obscene, it's wrong, and most importantly, it annoyed the shit out of me. So fuck off, Del Barton, you and your vulgar campus. Um, hopefully that woman didn't get murdered in the forest and may, found her way to the su suicide prevention, um, uh, walk. Um, yeah. And, and if you're listening, if you're, if you're a Lyft or an Uber driver, um, please service the Del Barton campus. But I thank the cab driver who, the militant vegan who picked us up. It was a pleasant ride and, uh, but I'm never going back there again. Um, ever. Uh, I don't care what this, I don't care if, they want to pay me a million dollars to deliver a speech. Never, never, never going back. I hated it there. And it made me a very ugly, angry person in front of my nephew. And I try to hide that side. I try not to be the righteous prick in front of my nephew. But he saw, he saw the most righteous and the most prickish version of me yesterday. So I blame uh, youth soccer. And most importantly, I blame Del Barton in New Jersey. So Morristown... Um, take half of their property, some sort of eminent domain, do it for justice, do it for the poor. Just kidding. Morristown's like super Trumpy. So they definitely wouldn't want to help the poor. But, um, yeah, I guess I'll see Morristown in February to see Richard Marks. Uh, but until then, and uh, until then there's uh, no reason for me to go back there. So, uh, in the words of Charlton Heston, damn it all to hell.
that was me. I was, I was, uh, I was planet, end of the planet of the apes, just hanging out by the sign of double. Okay. I'm rambling too much. I got to go to church, pray for forgiveness for all the things I said yesterday in front of my nephew, and then to go have a kick-ass show in Philadelphia. So have a great week, everybody. Um, get tickets to the shows in your area. If you want me in your area, it can't hurt to contact a comedy club in your area and say, hey, can you book JL Covan? Maybe they'll think it's a stunt, but maybe they'll be like, oh, yeah, he's emailed us. We've ignored him because we want him to fail and kill himself. Uh, by the way, how was his trip to Del Barton? Did That was all part of our plan to get JL to kill himself. Um, I watched MLK FBI, which I don't recommend simply because – well, I recommend if you don't read books – but it was a very, I thought it was going to be a much more interesting documentary. Only the last three minutes were interesting. Everything else, it was fine, but everything else was just like all the shit I consider common knowledge. It's on Hulu. It was on the short list for best documentary at the Oscars, but didn't make the final cut. But, uh, you know, the FBI was selling, sending like sex audio tapes to him and his wife trying to get him to kill himself. And I felt like the trip to Del Barton was comedy, the comedy world's attempt to get me to kill myself. But I'm still here. I'm still standing. I'm still strong. And my name is Antoine Fisher. So uh, have a nice week, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you to everybody who comes out to Philadelphia. If you're a fan of mine in the Philadelphia area and you didn't come out, um, go to hell. Not afraid of sending his neglectful fans to hell. Uh, okay. And that's it. Uh, check out making podcasts great again. If you don't, uh, very popular hit podcast I do. And, um, oh, and this week, yes. If you're still listening this week, um, probably Tuesday, my John Bernthal auditioning for the Sopranos movie, uh, video will go out. It's simple, but it's uh, funny. I, I didn't, I waited to get my hair cut until after, um, my John Bernthal length hair was, uh, was flowing. And, uh, I think it's funny and I cracked myself up several times while doing it. Um, I hope you like it. If you're a fan, I know my John Bernthal impression is one of those like niche impressions that some of my fans fucking worship. So good news for you guys. If you like the John Bernthal impression, uh, video coming this week. So make sure you're subscribed to my YouTube channel, making podcasts great again and my newsletter. Um, but if, like I said, if you listen to this podcast, you're in the select group that always hears about my gigs. So thank you for being part of that group. Have a great week. Stay safe. If you're not vaccinated, for Christ's sakes, get vaccinated. Um, and uh, I will see you next Tuesday, even though this episode is going up Sunday. I will see you next Tuesday. Back in, back in.